What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Joe Kilgallen Podcast, aka Kilgallen's Pub. I'm your host, Joseph Matthew Kilgallen. That's right, you're getting the full name for the third week in a row. Feel pretty fucking good. Got a guest, but before I bring in the guest, who I'm very excited about, you know him, you love him. It's a him. I gave it away. Oh shit. I got to start with a little gratitude. I want to thank all of the Patreon subscribers. Dropped a bonus episode just at the end of last week. You're going to get another one coming this week soon, of course. Uh, all the YouTube subscribers, TikTok, Instagram, whatever you follow me on, I really appreciate it. Shout out to the Laugh Factory, a couple great shows over the weekend, and also to the Laughing Academy out in Glenview. Um, I needed that. I had, That was a great weekend of comedy for me. So thanks to anyone who came out. Uh, I had a rough week or two before. So I, I needed to climb out of a sewer, as they say. And uh, yeah, it was fucking awesome. So I'm really pumped. It was like the first weekend of comedy post my filming, the special taping back October 1st in New York, where I was like, all right, now I have a direction. I felt like there was a direction and uh, I'm excited about it. So we'll see. We'll see where it takes me. I'm sure next month I'll be bitching about how comedy sucks and I won't want to do this garbage anymore because that's the life of being a comedian. Highs and lows. All right. Uh, without further ado, though, I'm excited for this one, though. It's a guy who maybe is probably tied or, or might have the lead for most frequent appearances on this podcast. He hosts a great podcast in his own right called Hunk. Uh, and he's got an album, his number two, his second album will be dropping this Friday. We'll talk all about that and more without further ado. Let's bring on the host of hunk with Mike Bridenstine. It's Mike Bridenstine. Thanks for having me, dude. How are you, Brido? Your thing at the top, when you were talking about having that set, like I recorded my album in August. It feels so terrible to come back from that, to start over because you feel like you had a superpower or you had a skill. And then you go up there and you're like, you have the confidence of somebody who's good at this without any of the chops. It sucks so fucking bad. You've done it more than me where you've dropped everything. Like, so having that set for the listeners, it's it's bigger than you know what he's talking about. It's so fucking huge to feel like, God damn it, I don't suck. This isn't a waste of time. Yes. No, everything you said, I agree. The only time I didn't really feel it was after my second one, Can't Complain, that came out in 2019, because I had a jump start on the next hour. I remember people being like, dude, you dropped an hour and back to yeah, back yeah, years. Yeah. That's incredible. I'm like, yeah. I had like a 15-minute head start because I left about 15 minutes off of uh, Can't still, Complain. So I kind of was at a nice roll. I mean, that's huge to have. It's fucking huge to have. Like, um, I, I started this hour with jokes I forgot to put on the last one because i that's my first album i took it took me 15 years or whatever to do and i forgot i had shit and i was like oh i could just do these easy ass jokes to start like the new hour over so having that extra 15 minutes had to be fucking huge it was but isn't it nice though like now that we're veterans of comedy you could go back take an old joke that was probably okay or not very good back then but now that you're good you can make it awesome I think so, but also there's there's certainly stuff that is the opposite of that too, where it's like, boy, this joke about race killed and before Trump went down that escalator. <laughs> yeah, the world's changed a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's the flip side of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. This this joke about throwing a woman down a flight of stairs, killer in two thousand seven, killer. <laughs> Kidding, yeah, this is, of course. 
it was a it was an escalate flight of escalators yeah. yeah actually and that's trump went down behind her and then the yeah. whole world you know yeah and he's like, we all know how that played out comedy <laughs> trump made comedy harder yeah you know that's also political comedy i've talked about this on this podcast a few times maybe um you had like there are people who do it well you do it well james fritz does it well fritz is great um, yeah He's great at it, yeah. And there's maybe a handful of other people. And and it's just not... I think it's because we're too connected to the world right now where, you know, it used to be you'd have to wait until a big comedian made a television appearance or had a special come out to hear their take on whatever the big event was. Now we know everyone's takes and we're bored of everyone's takes <laughs> after a day or two because, yeah, yeah. you know, we're all connected to social media and 24-hour news network and stuff like that. So I definitely, I wonder about the future of political comedy. I think it could get, I think it's going to get just less and less of it. Not, and not because people don't want to ruffle feathers, but, but because it's just not going to be as entertaining. I sandbag shit. I don't put everything, I don't put every opinion out on to the internet. Like I have shit that like you'll hear that, that if, if somebody followed every word that I ever put on social media, these jokes would still be new. Like I, there's some stuff I'm like, I'm not putting this shit out there. You know what I mean? Like, but I, I I agree with you to a certain extent, but I also think that anything that you make about you is always going to be fresh and new, no matter what. So it's like, how does this event happen? Your take is how you felt about it. Like if you're, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, you've seen it done poorly. You've seen it like the late night TV take on it, but still it's like, I was at this thing. This is, I mean, you, if you relate it, if you have a, either you have the freshest takes of, of anybody or you can personalize it. And I think that it, it, it's evergreen. The personalizing, I think is the big point. You're right. I didn't, I kind of glossed over that a little bit. I just feel like, cause somewhere along the lines. And again, that's why I think there's just less and less there were, here's what happened. And this was just not just in comedy. This was in the whole world. People who never talked about social issues mm -hmm. or political issues or whatever yeah. Yeah, yeah. felt the need to start speaking about it over the last five to eight years. And, you know, there were some people who just weren't good at it. And I remember no, like, no one fucking cares what you have to say about this, yeah. but you feel you have to, because it got to the point where I remember some people being like, Oh, Hey man, I noticed you're not saying anything about abortion. I yeah. wonder what that means. It's like, I, it means you should fucking say shit. And, and what, you didn't know my stance on it. Friend of mine. Now I have to, you know, um, one of our very good friends one time pressured me to come out about somebody who had been me too, that we know as well. And I talked to my wife about it and she's like, no one wants to know what you think about this. Yeah. No one's wondering what Mike Bridenstine thinks about the me too movement. Like your wife's correct by the way. Yeah. Cause that's the thing too. It's like, if you don't know the person enough to know what they think anyway, why are you trying? I don't, yeah, it got it was confusing times in in the world because it's like we need more people to speak up, and then those people would speak up, and it's like you need to shut the fuck up. Exactly, it's not a man's turn to talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, what do you want me to say? Yeah, I'm against. I'm just gonna tweet about baseball. That's what I'm against I'm sexual assault. Everyone, I know. Like, if you don't come out and say you're against it, that's the thing too. If you take a day off of Twitter, which I do sometimes, and you should, everyone should, or a day off of social media. You will jump in and people will be like, hmm, real, real curious why some people haven't said anything. It's like, because I have a family and a life. I didn't know that so-and-so grabbed someone's ass. My bad. You right. Know? But like, I have so many political jokes on this album and I'm not, I've never been a political, I've done comedy 20 years 
and I've never been a political comedian, but that's what everybody was talking about. That was on everybody's mind. So it's stuff, it's more stuff like, I know that you think that, like, I think that when people meet me, they, they think that I'm a Republican. That's my, that's what I think. And so a lot of it comes well, from that. I want to put a pin in the talk about comedy in your, your album, because yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll get that at the end because uh, you got a fun album cover. So I want to ask you about that. And there's something that gives away with the whole, yeah. you know, the whole, we'll talk about it. Well, a little but, teaser. Uh, so I was just going to get the point I was going to make was just that I talk a lot about the things that have happened to me rather than like, have you ever noticed that? Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and I even did say at the beginning that you and the guy like James Fritz does it well. Now that I think about it, the only comics I know who still do political comedy well are L.A. comedians. Huh. When I was in New York, I've been in New York a couple times this past year. I haven't been to L.A. in a while, which I need to rectify. But I didn't hear any Didn't you just joke. work with, you worked with Dwayne Kennedy? He didn't have political stuff? I, you know, he was a he 10 was the, he's, set he was the at the Laugh Factor, and he was kind of doing some new shit. He killed. Yeah. Um, I mean, he touched on a couple, like, I want to call him political. It'd be a little social, I guess. Our Sean Flannery, our friend, uh, comedian Sean Flannery, saying that Dwayne Kennedy was like one of the only people who he could watch do like an hour of political jokes and have it be as funny as like a regular, you know, like that would he would laugh just as hard as Jerry Seinfeld was like, I don't talk about politics because I can't make it funny, and and I think that. Maybe, maybe it, it, what I'm telling people isn't really about politics and it's about something else. But, but Fritz's case, Fritz just has hotter takes than most people. Fritz goes hard in the paint and he goes a little bit harder than other people. And it's just like, if, if you're on stage giving the point of view of CNN and MSNBC or of f- fucking, you'd never see it, but of Fox News, that's boring. That's what people see every day anyway. They're not. So if you're going to say, if you're just going to regurgitate talking points from TV, then you don't need to say anything. Have your Agreed. own, have your own opinion and have, have a hot take. I think that's just, and I, somebody could be point to like 12 for anything I say, there's probably 12 people that do it really well that are exceptions, but for the most part, just overall. Yeah, I mean, because th- th- there's a difference between being funny and keeping it fun, though, I've noticed. I, I, I've, there are some stand ups who I think the jokes themselves are like funny, but the kind of like I wouldn't want it's different. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm now going into hearing a podcast where they are trying to be politically funny. Yeah. So I'm like, eh, it's just, yeah, I'm hearing too, the same shit. That's my personal opinion. I just, what don't do you, what do you mean? Them. What are they saying? They're saying the, I don't know. I don't listen to political podcasts, but I do know the subject matter of politics in general has not is not as funny a subject matter as it once was. You have to really do what you said, go personal with it and do whatever, because otherwise you're just shouting the obvious shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Fritz is a guy I give a lot of credit to because I remember he had a joke 12 years ago about how if men could get pregnant, you'd be able to you know, get an abortion at the dollar menu. And I remember being like, oh, yeah. Great Nate joke, Craig. Nate right? Craig is another. Nate, Nate Craig. Nate Craig does it pretty well too, but he also yeah. doesn't come off as an authority when he does it. Yeah, you Nate know? Craig is also very self-aware on stage. I really enjoyed that. I, I had you were at his special. I wasn't. Th- I'm looking forward to. It's it. awesome. Yeah. Um. He see. He seemed very self-aware, and that really had an effect on, on, on me to know that I was that when I saw what he was doing, it made me know that I was on the right track with playing with your expectations of. 
when you look at me, I, it was like, remember after 9-11, you, you were young, but like you saw comedy on TV. After 9-11, there was a lot of like um, brown comedians who kind of toyed with the idea of people think I'm a terrorist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, for sure. And that sort of thing. My wife is home. That's my dog's going insane. But, oh, uh, but so I thought, well, isn't that, wouldn't that be fair also if I look like the white version of that thing? Definitely. Yeah. I know we're talking about later, but still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, we just name dropped way too many names at once. James Fritz, funny comedian. Look hey, Craig. Him up. Hey, Craig. Craig yeah. Funny comedian. Look him up. Dwayne Kennedy, funny comedian, look him up. They're all great, great comics. I just dropped, out dropped three dimes on you if you don't know who they are. They are. You know, it's, I I'll like have albums you can check out. Yeah. Well, on, on that note, I like exposing people to comedians I've never heard of. So when I did an interview with the Comedy Gazelle, which is a local. That was uh, great, by the way. I, when you said that to me, it made me feel good because at that point I hadn't read it yet. So I was like, oh, it's good. All right. You know. No, it's great. Yeah. Because during the interview, I remember telling um, Jerry, I felt so bad. I was like, dude, I ramble. If I'm rambling too much, I apologize. And he was like, no, no, that's good. I'm like, all right. Um, so check it out, Comedy. I'll, it's, I can share the link again, Comedy Gazelle. It was on my Instagram and all that. But at the end, he'll ask like a top 10 comedians. And nine of my top 10 are dead Chicago comedians. Comedians who started in Chicago and died way before their time. And then the number 10 was comedian Danny Callis. Who's one of my best friends? He's still alive, but I needed a tenth, and I thought it'd be funny to put him in because he's been on a sabbatical from stand-up. Although he's coming back in 2023, everyone, so get excited. That's what he told me. He says he's coming All back right. in 2023. And by putting it out in the All universe, right. I'm gonna have to hold him to it. I'll be like, listen, asshole, I said it on a podcast. You better follow through. Danny, last night, last yeah, right, Brado. Did you hear this? Last night in San Francisco, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock had uh elon musk i don't know if you heard of this elon musk guy he's been in the news quite a lot but they hit him on stage at their show in san francisco and he received a large amount of booze people were i didn't like, know that chris rock was involved in this i think chris rock was out on the show too i okay. i saw one headline that mentioned chris rock oh they're well. oh they're touring together is that why right? are they touring together before well, don't worry listeners we'll get into the elon musk thing but why the fuck why because it's like I, I, maybe they're just good friends and they want to hang out, but sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, you guys would sell out two separate tours on your own. You don't need to yeah, combine forces. Yeah, what? Maybe they want to play bigger venues and then split. I don't know. Like Chappelle and Joe Rogan were doing like the Superdome, which is like it's what a hundred thousand people or something crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I I am oh, more power to him. I'm not hating. It just was surprising as all. No, if you like when Bill Burr did like Red Rocks, like. <laughs> It's like, well, who do you want to be? Who do you, who should have the biggest uh, venue? I guess Burr, right? And Chappelle and Chris Rock and these well, guys. Whoever can sell like, the tickets should do it. I just thought it was straight. I just thought to myself, like, you think those two dudes would do their own separate thing because they're, they're so big they could do it on their own anyway. Where this I don't is know, it sounds so like hatery anyway. It sounds hatery, me. but it's not. It's more like just, it's from the business side. I'm just, but I was, but I was, I, I am gonna say something that's gonna sound hatery too it's, i don't think stand-up is meant to be performed to that many people i i think that it like now you're perf like on a big screen and you're far away and you you lose nuance so you have to perform bigger so now you're up there like like jumping around and making mugging and making big dumb faces it becomes 
like and then you watch like that Rothaniel special where Gerard Carmichael like comes out as gay and like does a lot of just staring at the floor and people at the it's a much like richer experience even though it's not as funny I think like it's a much like I feel, I, I just feel like stand-up is better not performed in front of a hundred thousand people that's not even a hatery remark I've heard a lot of people have that same thought um but most of the people I've had I've heard say that are usually connected to comedy I'm trying to think of the average fan's point of view What's the largest crowd you've ever witnessed as a fan? Uh, I went, I did Vegas. I did Caesar's Palace. No, not you. You you're saying you did. I'm saying as a fan, like you were in the audience. Oh, I was in the audience. Oh, okay. Well, what, I mean, what, like I went to I went to, I went to shows. Caesar's Palace. Well, <laughs> when you go I to a Dodger game, do you say I did Chavez Ravine. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I did it at a, this see. festival, and then I also witnessed. Uh, as oh, a, I as see. An okay, member. my bad. <laughs> I did I did like a banquet room. It was called like for blurbs for for the Chicago. Nate Craig was on that actually with me and uh, Mike Burns and Mike Holmes. But then we went to go see other shows. I, I think that might be the biggest. I I I mean that's a god damn, I don't know how many that seats. Like a couple few thousand, four thousand, five thousand. I saw Bill Burr in at the Vic Theater, and I think that was like fifteen hundred, twelve hundred. That's a good. I mean, theaters are great for the theater. For it was a great experience, and I had friends see Bill Burr, Nate Craig, open at the United Center, and that had to be at least fifteen thousand. Um, I don't Is know that how they just bonkers it. or what. Like it's crazy, right? And good for Nate. You know, I, I remember this so guy. Do that. This guy, Jay Chris Newberg, opened for Dane Cook at the United Center, and he was like, "I played Chicago," and I was like, "Oh, where'd you? What was that like?" And he was like, "Man, it was it was crazy. We did the United Center," and I was like, "God damn." That is, yeah. But I know from people who saw it and they said it was in a great time. They had a blast. So if, 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 if the experience is good and I could be totally wrong and I could be, they project it, you can see the faces and I could be completely wrong, but maybe laughing with that many people is like a fucking beautiful thing. And I don't know about it because I've only performed to tens of people. <laughs> For the most most of my career you know what i mean so yeah i, I know. know visually i like watching specials where it feels more intimate like a good yeah. theater is nice but i've seen like somewhere it's a massive massive room and i'm just and the laughter doesn't always translate and the perform i don't know so i i agree with you there but now i'm starting to put myself in the shoes of someone who's going to see bill burr at an arena Right. Think about it. They, they, it's an expensive ticket. They've been pumped up about it for weeks on end. Not that they wouldn't sure. be for any other venue, but yeah. you know, you get there, there's thousands and thousands of people walking down the street with you towards the arena. There's a vibe. You're thinking oh, it's going to be great. You know, you're going through, you're finding your seats. So I'm sure there's an element of like, Oh, let's get pumped up for this. So they're going to have a great th- time. You ever seen that clip of, um, I think it, it might be a green day crowd or a Metallica crowd. And they 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 all sing bohemian rhapsody at the same time the crowd i could see that being like a beautiful like communal experience i don't see stand-up that same way i guess i don't like in my head i like like a dick gregory album where you can hear the ice in the glass clinking and you can hear like like a side remark by one of the people there it's a nightclub it's Jerry Seinfeld at the beginning of the show, like it's a small venue. People are working stuff out. Like 
I like that fluffy special at Dodger Stadium. That felt like a because we can type of thing. Yeah. It felt it felt like a crotch grabbing like fuck you. I got like a billion fans. Fuck off type of thing. It didn't feel like here's the best way to present stand up. But I don't have as many fans as Fluffy. So maybe I would if I could play Wrigley Field and say suck my dick. Maybe I would. You, you know would. what I mean? You fucking would. <laughs> of course you would. As, as soon as it came out of my mouth, that. I was like, that sounds amazing. It sounds incredible. Where would the stage go? Would you do it right in front of the green scoreboard? Yeah. On the mound? Yeah. You might yeah. be on the mound. Yeah. I would. <laughs> hey, listen, if you could, I, I get why they would do it. I just don't know if it's the best way to present the thing. I don't know. I don't know. I could be wrong. Okay. So Dave Chappelle brings up Elon Musk. He gets massive boos. Does that surprise anybody that he got booed? I think it surprised Dave. I mean, he had to have known. Come on, he's a smart he's a, guy. He's, so he's setting him up. So he's setting him up. Maybe a little bit. I think he might legit like hanging out with the dude. I've heard him seems... on Joe Rogan. If you want to pay attention to it, it's the very beginning of Chappelle on Rogan, and he says he he met. He's like he met Elon Musk because Rogan brings Elon Musk around at places. And he said he talked to me about this, explained how he puts the satellites in space for the thing. And he said, and that shit was tedious. So it sounded <laughs> like they like it. it sounded like Dave did not enjoy talking to Elon Musk about shit. So maybe he probably did look Dave has gotten to a point where I think he's become a real master at promotion. Where um think about it, you know, he made this deal. But he with doesn't Netflix. promote. He doesn't have to. That's what I mean. No, this is promotion, oh. Bardo. Oh, okay. see, okay. he is so next level that people he's don't Banksy. realize what he's doing is promoting. He's Banksy. Yeah, dude. By having Elon Musk on stage, he yeah. knew every motherfucker in the world was going to talk about that the next day. I That's guess the so, genius. Yeah. yeah. Like with like with Andrew Schultz's last special, he said I was going to release this on a major platform. They said they were going to censor a bunch of jokes. I said fuck that. I don't even think that's true. Probably Maybe I'm true. wrong. Schultz, tell me true. I'm wrong. But I think these guys, some of these people are really learning. Because if you, if you pay enough attention, you could figure out the game of how to work this stuff to your angle. I don't know how to yeah. do it. I wish I did. Right. Um, and and they, yeah, you know, it's like the reason Trump got so popular and where everyone was shocked that he won the Republican nomination, then shocked that he won the White House. But if people were paying attention, they would have known he's getting free advertising. The news stations yeah. couldn't stop fawning over him. And that's the society we're in right now where whoever the name, whoever has the bigger brand name is going to do better with certain things. Okay. So this is some heel wrestling shit. Like yes. I want to go, I want to go see, uh, I want to go boo Elon Musk. I don't think they knew, obviously the crowd didn't know he was there, but I think Chappelle probably the, the, knew yeah. instead of me just doing a regular sold out show in San Francisco to thousands of my fans who all love me and think everything I say is great. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to throw Yo, can Elon I ask Musk you, up there. Can I throw you a curveball and say, wouldn't you think a Chappelle fan would like Elon Musk too, or no? Not really. I mean, 80% booed. I think, see, that, that, I think that's a LA disconnect a little bit. Um, not even an LA thing. It just depends who you hang out with enough. I've come and I've been very thankful I hang for out with comedians. Yes, that's what it is. I'm very thankful that I've been able to keep a balance a little bit. I still, I hang out with mostly comedians, but that I talk to enough people outside of comedy. Yeah. 
I know some regular people who are like, I love Chappelle still. And I'm like, the trans stuff didn't bother you. And they're like, I mean, I thought it was a tired topic. And I kept wondering why he kept going on and on about it. And, you know, they thought even if they don't have any like hate there here or there, they just thought it was a fun little play on words he did with a lot of those jokes. You know what I mean? Because think about it, the end of that last special. He says, I, I would talk to Daphne's daughter and say, you know, your mother was a wonderful man. That was the last line. The average person would be like, oh, that's a fun plan words. They don't recognize, oh, that would that hurts a lot of people's fucking feelings. Right. right you know, right. They, they don't and they should. They should be more aware. Um, but unfortunately, you know, people just, you know, they want to fucking watch funny shit and drink and have a good time and go to bed and because they have work the next day. Right. And All most of, of them don't friends, know any um, trans. And they probably people. don't know any transgender people. Because think they, about yeah. it. What's the latest census had it at like 700,000 people in the United States out of a 300 million. I mean, they make up 0.00 of the population or whatever. Um, and I'm not saying that is one time I brought up some percentage of a group and someone made it seem like I was putting them down. I'm like, no, it's fucking math. <laughs> like that's just how many people There's there are. not as many. There's so, so no, but when I, what, but you're, what you're saying is right because there's not as many, the average person hasn't been, has they don't felt- have a connection to it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like, um, everything, everything is funny if, until it happens to you. And if you know somebody who it would hurt, it's not, you're not going to have the same experience. And if you're in the, the middle of the country, the chances are that you're not going to know a person who would be offended by this at all. And so I, so I, I think that he, I think that Dave Chappelle picked a weird hill to die on. It, it's, it's just like, but at the same time, I wish because I because I disagree with him, just I just I disagree with what he's saying. I but I do wish that people who also disagree with him would correctly state his argument and not just say that he like I, I wish that they wouldn't set up, I guess they're called what's it called when you set up another person's argument that they're not making? It's called a straw man. So they'll be like, he says like this, I can, and and it's like, but he's not, he's making an incorrect thing in my, in my, he's saying that his position as a black man, race trumps, um, sexuality, sexuality and gender. And that's what, that's his argument. And so, but to not address that is kind of a dishonest argument against him in my opinion it, even though i think he's wrong if that makes sense no it makes sense and and see i didn't watch every special i watched a few of them my only thing that the big comment i made about it was that i'd when the last one came out and it was the same people upset i was kind of like why are you still watching why are you, you still know? watching yeah so yeah yeah in the same regard people want Chappelle fans who are offended by his trans uh, gender jokes to stop supporting him, why are you still supporting him by watching it? It's the same thing. If you guys stopped talking about it, he probably would have stopped leaning into it. I but then again, they're fighting for the rights. They think he's got a platform and it's dangerous to them. I get I I there's a lot of fucking things I understand about that. I also understand how people could be like, I disagree with that, but I also still want to see him perform live because he's Dave Chappelle. He's one of my favorite comedians of all time. He's a legend. I love the Chappelle show. When he did that, when he did the um the George Floyd special, everybody loved it. And he didn't have any jokes on it. There was no jokes. That was just a statement, really. I didn't when he think talks was... about Trump, he's like, it's like seeing a crack pipe in the passenger seat of your Uber. Like, he he did, like, this whole thing. 
um, about Trump that was like amazing. It's just that one fucking thing. Yeah. Is, is that, and it is a major fucking thing. Like, you know, and it, I think it, through that, through all the internet shit that he dealt with through that, I think he learned how to play the internet to his advantage now. And I think he's, he's digs trolling people. I think he knew, fuck yeah, Elon, you're coming. Cause Elon probably hit him up going, Hey, I'm coming to the show tonight. I'm sure they text each other or, you know, they're on text messaging basis. And he goes, cool. All right, nice. I'm going to bring you on stage. And Elon thinks, you know, he's a delusional person these days. That, I feel like that was, he must not have fuck it. Cause no one's, when's the last time anybody told him no pre PayPal? I guess. Is he the richest man in the world? Cause Chappelle introduced no, him as the richest man uh, in the world. But he's no, not. I, will, I looked this up right before some French guy. Yeah. He's the richest guy that we know. Yeah. So let me ask you this though, because yeah. I know some people are like, why would Chappelle want to hang out with Elon Musk? He's a fucking boring dork. And yeah, he's got a fuckload of money. And I thought to myself, I'm like, yeah, he's got a fuckload of money, but Chappelle has a fuckload of money. of money. Yeah. So like if you're if you're worth fifty million dollars like Chappelle, do you feel the difference when you're with a billionaire? Are you like <laughs> that's a great Ooh. question? Because a billion is a thousand millions. Yes. So so you are at the pinnacle. There's never been a comedian as big as Dave Chappelle. He has fifty million dollars. I don't know whatever he, whatever he has. This guy is this guy has so much more than you. This guy could. This guy is so. It's kind of like what is he? I want to see what he has. You know what I mean? Like if if it's like way crazier of a leap between Chappelle. And Elon Musk than me and a guy covered in dirt in the park who sleeps in the tent. That guy's closer to me than Musk and Chappelle. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's pretty crazy. So, but, but the, on the flip side of that, the guy who's sleeping on a bench in the park, when he hangs out with you and you're paying for shit, he's feeling that. He's like, this is fucking great. I'm with yeah. a fucking thousandaire. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing wonderful. Yeah. But I'm saying is when when a guy like Chappelle hangs out with a guy like Elon Musk, are they taking turns buying rounds? What? How the fuck does that dynamic work? I is think you got to make Chappelle it. like, man, I thought I was rich, but this guy's next level. He had, you know. Well, that's a good question because I don't know. Because, I mean, Chappelle's is cash. Elon's is not. No, that's true. Elon's is mostly in assets. That's that's the thing that people tend to forget. They go, "This guy has seven billion dollars." I'm like, "Yeah, not on hand, though." You know what I mean? It's like, although I'm sure, shit. I'm sure Elon Musk could come up with fifty million dollars, like no nobody's. I mean, like in cash, if he wanted to. Yeah, if you're gonna kidnap his child with the the symbols or weird letters, the hieroglyphics name, you you could ask for fifty million and feel pretty confident that you could get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I. I, I'm assuming that hanging out with them fucking sucks, but you do that once. So let me ask you. Yeah. So I thought about this. I go, I thought to myself, if I was ever in a situation, if someone, you know, I'm hanging out with some people and they're yeah. like, all right, we'll do some degrees of separation. Yeah. I've done shows with Theo Vaughn and Brendan mm -hmm. Schaub enough where I, if I ran into them, we'd have a great conversation. It'd be a good time. Yeah. They're friends with Rogan. So say yeah. I end up with Theo and then he's like, well, I'm going to go meet up with Rogan. Come on. Cool. And then Elon yeah. Musk is there. Yeah. Okay. So you're two steps from, or three steps yeah. from Musk. Yeah. So, and someone asked me, Joe, would you party with Elon Musk? Look, I don't like really Elon Musk. He's a, he fucking annoys me to know. It's a story. End. It's a good story. But I would definitely hang out with him. It's a good story. It's a great story there. 
He's definitely paying for everything. And it made me think, Brido, is yeah. what what other billionaires would you want to hang out with? Boy, Joe, I'm glad that you asked. I'm glad that you asked me before the show started, 10 minutes before, so I could scroll <laughs> through a list of billionaires. And it took me a while to get before. Because in my head, I'm like, isn't Paul McCartney a billionaire? Is he not? Isn't like Jay-Z a billionaire? So like, there's got to be cool ones, right? Like there's like ones that are like, it sucks that the, uh, that they are this big of a piece of shit. To, like, I think it's immoral to have that much money, but that's a whole other story. But, okay, so short list. It took me a while before I got to George Lucas. George Lucas has $5 billion. You wouldn't want to hang out with George Lucas? I would. Mark I would. Cuban. Mark, I wrote down. Just let me give you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven that I found before it was time to start the show. Mark Cuban. I would hang out with Mark Cuban. Definitely. The Rick, the Ricketts family. I I like the Cubs. Get some free tickets out of the Get deal. Get some free tickets out of the deal. Steven Spielberg, $4 billion. Richard Branson, $3.7 billion. I'd hang out with Richard Branson. Yeah, he's fun on interviews, so I'm sure he'd be a good time. J.B. Pritzker. I'd hang out with J.B. Pritzker. Yeah, man. He'd have a great spread. That's and a fat then... joke. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> You'd have a butterboard for sure. Yeah. I wrote down Trump at one time. One time. One time you want to roll with him? I bet he's, I bet he, one-on-one, me, a straight white man, he's going to love him. He's going to love me. He's going to talk to me about all kinds of filthy shit. I'm going to have that story the rest of my life. And I'm going to be like, sorry, everyone. I have this crazy ass story. Yeah, so, I mean, before he got into politics, he was friends with a lot of celebrities who those celebrities later were like, I'm not voting for that fucking nut job. And yeah. he would be like, you hung out with him, though. And it's like, yeah, he was not, he was a fucking yeah. guy to go golfing with. I don't want him running the executive branch of my government. Do you know how many of my fucking friends I would not vote for for president of the United States? 99% of them. <laughs> Sorry to God. I can't think of one I would vote for. I got like, there's a couple I think I might, but I don't even know. I don't even know as I say that out loud. Uh, Paul McCartney's not a billionaire though. You said, no, no, I just, I, I just didn't get, I didn't scroll. There's like a lot of billionaires. There's over a thousand. So it was like, I was scrolling. And so, yeah, I would hang out with Paul McCartney like tomorrow. Of course I would. Yeah. But let me ask you this though. You did say anyone who is a billion, it's immoral. But I thought to myself, a guy like Paul McCartney, a lot of his billions are in assets. So I don't, I think like 2 billion. Yeah. You're worth two billion, but you're only worth two billion on paper. I don't know what you would do to be like. I don't either. Yeah, I'm I charitable, don't either. but I can't get myself below that billion mark. I got yeah. 990 million. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Like My life is so hard. I can't get below that B. Dude, you know what's insane? I talked about this on. I'm giving something away. I think this was on a Patreon episode, everyone. So slams for that Patreon. Uh, the song, I because I still can't wrap my brain around the fact that Paul McCartney, easily one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Few people would argue against that statement. One of the greatest songwriters of all time. He happened to write the worst Christmas song ever <laughs> and simply having a wonderful Christmas okay. time. I don't, I don't know how a guy who wrote yesterday wrote simply having a wonderful Christmas time. I fucking did this on my show where I was like, where someone's like John Lennon sucked without Paul McCartney. And I was, and I was like, imagine. And they're like, imagine sucks. No, it and doesn't. I was like, and I was like, oh, I was like, okay, there are two Christmas songs then. Uh, one is Happy Christmas War is Over in my opinion one of my favorite fucking Christmas songs versus simply having a, and I got crucified 
for this on my own show. People are like, you're out of your mind. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time is like a bop. It's like a fun. Who? So, who named these people right now? I want to say Sean Flannery was on that show, and it oh, wasn't Flannery's him. Flannery's got terrible music taste. I love that guy, but his music taste sucks. On he that same show, good. on that same show, he said that if the Beastie Boys and Vanilla Ice, uh, if they're if Vanilla Ice had met Rick Rubin before, and the Beastie Boys had not, then they would have switched careers. No, I love that dude, but he and not only that, well, he will triple <laughs> down on a bad. Yeah. yeah. Um. No, sorry. John Lennon's "War Is Over, Happy Christmas" is a much, much it's a better, better song. song. It's a, and also, you. to say John Lennon was nothing without Paul McCartney, I strongly disagree with. "Imagine" is a song that is loved by everyone but right. comedians, yeah, and snobs. Also, yeah. uh, "Instant Karma" is a fucking hit. Um, that was a Lennon, John Lennon solo song. I um, think that people love to be contrarian, and so. Everything that ever that everyone loves, especially everything that baby boomers love, becomes this lame thing, and they they never figured out how to do it with the Beatles because the Beatles can't be lame. They can't like be. because your favorite band, whoever they are, loves the fucking Beatles. Ozzy Osbourne loves the fucking Beatles. Uh, Kurt Cobain loves the fucking be. Everybody loves the fucking Beatles. Everybody. Like I'm so sorry, everyone. This the band that your parents love the most is fucking a good band. Sure. I thought the one thing that came out of the baby boomer generation that we all appreciate was there were so many like the 60s as a decade was phenomenal for music. Yeah. I mean, right? yeah, they yes, better than the, the 80s. <laughs> I love the 80s, but yeah, it was. you know what? My thriller, people still play thriller. People do still play thriller, you know, and but yeah true the 80s was very very good but if i'm ranking decades i have 90s selfishly ahead of the 60s but it goes 90s 60s 80s 70s tied and then like oh wow this would be i i i'm too i'm too close to the teens and the aughts to really rank them yet see 90s 90s rock music is so strong to me that it competes with the 60s just on its own but then you throw in hip-hop 90s hip-hop it yeah, it takes the 90s over. I know that there's like a whole there's 90s, there's 60s R&B, but the Motown. 90s had the 90s had R&B too. I think the 90s the 90s, 90s has R&B it by a hip hop nose, by a Humpty Hump nose. I don't know if that song came out in the 90s. Maybe it was in the late 80s, but My I think man. that the 90s takes it because of hip hop. I would agree. Yeah, the 90s just had and this guy I had a podcast. I wish I could quote him or tell you where to listen to it. But it stuck with me when I heard it. I heard this a few years ago. One of the reasons music was so good in the 90s was because CDs came around. And CDs yeah. were so insanely cheap to make. Yeah. But the markup on them was massive. So yeah. record labels had no problem just signing everybody and producing yeah. their shit and throwing yeah. it against the wall to see what stuck. So a lot of great music broke through that would never break through today because of just the economics are different. Okay. I, I would buy that. Time. I would buy that, but the, but the highest, high, so people took chances on shit. That's, that's a good point, but the highest high, I mean, like Nirvana, never mind. who, who's beating that like pet sounds and like a, and like revolver and Sergeant pepper, like how many fucking albums are legitimately besting Nirvana, never mind track for track or the chronic or, or whatever the, you know, the public enemy one that people are going to say, or, 
I mean, it's just there's like good shit also. Yeah, I mean, I remember looking down genre by genre of '90s music. You talk about R and B, Jam Ten, the Fu- the Fuji's album that was unbelievable. That was considered an R and B album. The um, score, the score, yeah, yeah. And then Lauren Hill's solo album came out in the '90s. Yeah, '98, '98. Sure Lauren Hill yeah. was very big. Um, and then there, and then yeah, there's some cheesy shit toward the end. But even the pop was good. Boy band pop was still some good songs. Everyone stops what they're doing when Backstreet Boys "I Want It That Way" comes on. Even if yeah. you're like a curmudgeon, you'll still be like, "Tell me why." Yeah, you know, like hit, hit me, baby, one more time. Like Britney that, Spears was yeah. mega. You know, Madonna had some hits in the early '90s, so there was just a lot going through there. I'll say um, '90s, and I am biased. Pumpkins, Pearl Jam, Oasis. There was like. uh Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots. No one Pilot. even talks about Cherub Siamese Dream. Like Siamese Dream, so good. S- fucking bad Motorfinger, Soundgarden. Get out of here with you know, like the shit that's like deeper cuts. Big, you know, uh, died in '97. So all of that. So Ready to Die is is in now, the '90s. Came out in the late '90s. He, I think, yeah. he was definitely '99, '98. Nas, so fucking Illmatic. Good. Come on, yeah, there's so much good shit. I know. Bush so, 16 stone. <laughs> that was legitly amazing too. And I I remember Green Day Dookie trying to pretend like it sucked. Yeah, Green Day Dookie was unreal. Oh man, Glycerine came out at the gym and I was like, motherfucker, this is yeah, this I mean, it's derivative, but it was good. <laughs> Are you finding yourself there's I'm going through a weird thing now in my late 30s where stuff that I kind of didn't like at the time or maybe i liked but then later was like eh i'm hearing it now and maybe it's nostalgia but i'm hearing it now yeah. and i'm like you know what this is genuinely good and i don't know why we sh- hated it so much but it's like legitly good i don't i can't think of an example of that necessarily i guess there's stuff that i was probably too young for that you hear it later and you're like okay i get this now and it, maybe a movie or something but i i can't think of like a song Cause like in my head, I was like, I wasn't old enough for REM yeah, stuff like that. Like, I feel like I could get into REM, but I feel like the big kids liked REM and I feel like Nirvana was like mine and like hair metal was for older kids. And I liked it and I liked it. I fucking love hair metal. But when Nirvana came around, they weren't on that check on that fucking like alternative tip yet. And I was like early adapter. So that felt like mine. And so, like, I have like a personal relationship with it that that like I don't know what maybe some R and B maybe like people have been pointing out how fucking dope and Vogue was and I've on my show and so stuff like that maybe some hip hop that I was too young for like EPMD like some shit that some shit like that that I was kind of late on but otherwise um, yeah I'm just still not still not on it. Yeah, I can't. I wish I had an example that jumped right off the top of my head with certain. Yeah, I don't know. There's some stuff, though, that I I thought was cool. And later I'm hearing people are like, no, that sucked. And it's yeah, making me that go, happens way more often because you're a kid. Like, you don't you don't have any. Experience. And I'm also starting to think was what is it that bad or is it just you? And that's fine. <laughs> Not everyone has to like all the same shit. But I remember something came up. It was a Jeopardy question where the answer was Forrest Gump. And then yeah. I'm like, oh, people don't like Forrest Gump. People don't like Forrest Gump. And then I remember being like, but at the time, I felt like everyone loved them. Everyone, when yeah. When it when it came out, everyone loved it. And then people were like, no, that sucked. People are like, okay, thank God, it's okay to say it sucks. And there's stuff that's been that way. People are starting to say the Sopranos sucked, or they're trying to. It's kind of funny. Even they get like smacked down again. 
I think that whatever is popular, it's not going to be for everybody. Or it's not really sure. that great. If it's I enjoyed everybody. The Sopranos. My only knock on The Sopranos was the fact that people said it was the most original television. And I go, yeah, television, but it's not an original story. It's basically you're taking two different mob movies. You're kind of yeah, taking yeah, yeah. Analyze This, which was like a comedy mob movie where he goes to a therapist. Remember, Billy yeah. Crystal was a therapist. And you're taking like Goodfellas and you're putting it together. Great it'd idea. If for you're like, it'd be funny if you're like, he's taking Analyze This and then he's taking Analyze That. <laughs> Yeah, two, <laughs> two cornerstones of mafia movie <laughs> artistry. Um, but they, but yeah, it was I mean, shot. It was, it was shot. I, I just watched this thing on Netflix that was explaining the difference between TV and movies and why and why they're starting to become the same thing. And it was talking about um, how things are shot cinematically. When it TV was shot for a square, and so everything was a close up, and there's no depth, and like the world that they created, like was rushed and. and in films, it was cinematic. It was literally, you know, a whole world. You you zoom out and, and things are shot beautifully and and there's depth and this looks like a, like a lived-in world. And The Sopranos was the first television show shot like a movie. And so sometimes I think people are talking about that as well. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It made sense to I mean, me when I watched it. There's a thing called Voyeur on netflix it's like a 15 minute thing it's somebody writes essays about movies all right i'll give that a look i think well where sopranos gained originality was like the main character was like you know as an anti-hero um, yeah which i think that had been done a couple other times it, before, it's, but it's, it, it's not to the done height a million times yeah he kills a guy with his bare hands and for tv that was fucking wild yeah, even though it was HBO and you're allowed even to it was HBO. shit yeah. on HBO. Carrie you know? Bradshaw never kills anybody with her bare hands. No, that, that's a good point, you know. Um, and again, I'm not knocking The Sopranos. It was a great show, but when... When everybody I, loves something, it is inside of every comedian to be like, what sucks about it? Let's point it out. Oh, yeah. I always try to find the counterpoint to certain stuff. Of course. Like if, if everyone says everything, I go, oh, come on. And that's why I'm even gotten to the point where, oh, everyone loved Forrest Gump. And then everyone says it sucked. But I'm like, let's go back to the first thought. Was it good? One hundred, And that comes back to what we were saying about if you're just going up there and you're saying the talking points of MSNBC about politics, it's the same fucking thing. Yeah. You should question it, but you should question it from a point of view of always question authority. Yeah. That when you you get into trouble when you're like authorities right and people who don't it's like really that's what you think our job is it's not. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where if we didn't become a society that was so much blue team red team, we could. Th the past pandemic was the craziest part, right? Because yeah. everyone was like, "Hey, I believe in the science that behind this vaccine," and then those people were like, "Oh, you believe in the pharmaceutical companies?" Right. And the people who were like, "I believe the science," was like. Hey, motherfucker, I've been shitting on the pharmaceutical companies for decades. Now you're against them too? It's yeah. like everyone yeah. flips sides. I never heard any of my conservative friends ever bitch about the pharmaceutical companies until it came time for a vaccine that they thought was rushed or they didn't believe in COVID in the first and place. now they're like, yes, please put a Neuralink chip in my head. Yeah. Those same fucking people. It just, there's no consistency because they're being fooled. Well, they're being fooled, but they also don't want consistency. I don't think either. I mean, the left does a little bit more, but the left online is incredibly frustrating. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. 
Yes. Like I agree. The left has heart though. So I at least look for someone who has heart. Someone made a good point about the whole fucking exchange with the hostages. It's like, if you look at it this way, um, America wanted to get someone out of prison for smoking weed weed. where Russia wanted to get someone out of prison who was selling fucking weapons of war towards different warring tribes all over the world and was basically responsible for a lot of deaths. That's who they wanted to free. We wanted to free someone who was smoking weed. They wanted to free someone who causes murder. So culturally America wins on that one. But at the same time, America has how many fucking people locked up for drugs. So good job us. A lot. Yeah. You couldn't even give America that one win, could you, Brado? You hate this country that much. You couldn't even give it on fucking mom. <laughs> I'm trying to be one of those interviewers where it's like, you couldn't even give us this. But it is, it is true. Hey, America, America, a lot of potential. We're better than Russia, Brido. Better than Russia. I, you're right. Culturally, yeah. across the board, better than Russia. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I still don't like our chances in bowl season, though. I don't know if we're going to get a good bowl this year, but we are. Russia's not. They're getting the the low end. You know what I mean? They're getting the UPS FedEx bowl. We're getting. We're at least a better. We might get the Tostitos one. I don't even know I the names of the bowls anymore. College football. Oh, I'm talking about nerds. If you didn't follow that, the, um, the Iowa, Iowa's playing in the Trans Perfect Bowl against Kentucky. Yeah, that's the that's the name of it. Music City Trans Perfect. And what is Trans Perfect? I don't know. I'm so woke. I think it's redundant. <laughs> I should cut that. Please welcome the... Elon Musk, everybody. I can make that the clip and you would do so well, actually. I really think everyone will herald you as like a hero for saying what you just said, which is nice. We're so proud of me. Let's talk about the album. Oh, I didn't even get my billionaires I'd hang out with. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the celebrity ones I'd hang out with. Yeah. Um you know Warren Buffett I might hang out with? Mark Cuban for sure. Here's Warren what, Buffett? Here's he's why just... I Warren Buffett, though. Because I like the way he, whenever he's in an interview, I don't know if it's because he has bad people interviewing him. They always try to lead him with something, and he yeah. immediately goes the other way completely. They'll be like, Warren, so this is what a lot of other people are doing right now because of the economic market and because of what's this. So I imagine you're doing that, too. And he's like, no, let me tell you why I'm not doing that. Let me tell you why they're all wrong. And I kind of dig that about him. Um, so I had nothing really against him. You don't like he's, Warren Buffett though? Other than I watched that 100? documentary. I watched that documentary. He eats McDonald's every day. And it's just like, you're not even enjoying this money that you're fucking hoarding. Like, fuck off. So what? He likes Forrest Gump and he eats McDonald's, right? I, I like, I like McDonald's too. I really do like it. I'm not going to pretend I don't like McDonald's. I'm just fucking with you. But do you think I don't, I tend not to buy that shit. Whenever I hear like they eat McDonald's every day, I think that's their way of trying to connect with the average person. Maybe. Maybe you think they really do. I think Trump really was, I don't know if he was as big a McDonald's guy as he tried to play off, but he was 100%. Uh, I cut my pizza with a fork and knife guy he was 100 steak well done with ketchup guy he was that guy because that was well known about him in 2004 before he ever had any political aspirations at all that he was a steak well done guy and that's You're reminding me uh vince mcmahon another billionaire who i forgot to list uh also a steak well done with ketchup guy i don't know what that is Weird. what is it about i've heard people with paranoia with red meat so they want it well done to make sure but at that point just don't order a fucking steak then I think it's just like a class thing. Like, um, yeah, I don't, maybe if you, 
I don't fucking know, man. I always I, thought that like getting it more rare was like the alpha move, like during business things. I so like they're good. just these two like very alpha people, or do they at least think they're trying to portray themselves as alpha? Going like well done steak with ketchup is just rare. Is uh, uh, strange for sure. I do. I'm not remembering though. You mentioned the Ricketts family. I met Tom Ricketts, so I have met a billionaire before. There you go. So that's kind of cool. One billionaire I've shaken hands with. I don't know and if he I ever have. spending the money he's supposed to be spending right now, and the Cubs look like they're going to be garbage this year. Let's talk about this album. The album's called Hustle. It yes. comes out this Friday, December fifteenth. 16th, yeah. 16th, sorry, December sixteenth. Yes. I forgot. I thought it was Tuesday for a second, but the podcast comes out on a Tuesday, so it comes out December sixteenth, Friday. You could get it everywhere: Apple Music, uh, yeah. Google Play, Amazon. Yeah. Make sure you buy it. Don't stream shit, guys buy it if you right. if you don't have if you don't have nine dollars and 99 cents and you feel like streaming it venmo me some money i'll, I'll take your money yeah venmo him three dollars and you could stream it all day long i'll go uh, as high as four there you go good deal it's a good deal all around yeah but yeah i i, I just yeah of course if you don't have the money you, you want people to hear it and all that kind of shit i uh unfortunately was not able to see the taping but i had a lot of inside sources at the album recording and they said phenomenal it was recorded at the lincoln lodge in chicago i yes. named it hustle why'd you call it hustle for two reasons one because in my closer i always listen to my i always one other time i listened to the album to see like what did i say that would be a good name for the album and there's a baseball related story where the coach wants us to coaches love hustle is what I say. And also because oddly enough, there is a story involved with it. Um, at the beginning of 2022 Omicron hit and I had booked the Lincoln lodge. Like this time, I remember telling you this time last year, I was like, I have 20 minutes of material and I have nine months to come up with 25 more minutes. So I have to give birth to this special a nine month period and you guys are like you could do it you could do it so then the beginning of the year omicron hits and all the fucking shows in la close again so when they when it opens back up in like february march i can't get on any shows like the whole scene has shifted younger and i don't know who these people are and i wanted to complain about it and i complained to nate craig who is the exact wrong person to complain to? And he's like, if you're not getting shows, that's on you. And it's not what I wanted to hear, but it's what I fucking needed to hear in that moment. And so I started, if I was like, if I want to go up as much as I want, I got to start producing my own shows. So I started booking my own shows, putting and emailing the people and putting up clips. And I got myself ready from like March to July. I built a fucking our set and i got it ready in time and i ran it the weekend before and god damn it joe i don't even know if i had 45 but when i ran it i had an hour and i was like fuck yes and so i hustled to get it ready as well as the baseball thing i love that man that's yeah. see that i <clears throat> Way better answer than I thought. I thought you'd been like, ah, oh, it's just a reference from a joke. Well, because sometimes people don't put a ton of thought into it. And I understand that. I've had to name these before. Um, but the thing is, the, the okay, so the closer is about a slump, a baseball slump 
that I was on my sophomore year, and it's my second album. And people often say that the second album is called The Sophomore Slump. So I almost called it Sophomore Slump. But I was like, why do that to yourself? People are too fucking literal now. I, I like the first story better. Yeah. No, no, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's both. It's both. You had to hustle to get ready for this, and it's a reference to a joke. That's great. Double yeah. meaning. Yeah. The cover I love. You got a baseball thing going. You had a hat made. That's a reference to your first album. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. I was wearing um a Milwaukee Braves like a um Hank Aaron hat in the photo that Matt Dwyer's wife Kelly, um, our friend Matt Dwyer, his wife took the photos. And I realized I would have to Greek it out probably for the album or Photoshop something on it. And so like I, uh, Joanne Schinderly's boyfriend, Kyle Coughlin, um, made me a logo. So yeah, that was in reference to The Hungry Wolf Hunts Best, my first album. And so it's a hungry wolf with blood on its face that I, I got kicked off of Tee Public for having. And then um, my bat handle so it's a, it's basically it's an 80 it's it's a all of the late 80s baseball cards that I enjoyed. So it looks like an 87 Tops card. I'm holding a bat just like Griffey Jr in the 89 upper deck like Mark McGuire in the 85 Tops update USA card and like the Billy Ripken 89 Fleer fuckface card but the bat handle instead of, instead of saying fuckface says January 6th face uh, as a reference to a, another joke that I had. The Billy Ripken bat handle, for those of you who don't know, is pretty phenomenal. It's a legit baseball card where he's holding the bat like this, and the handle, it says fuck face. But Tops so, didn't notice that. So it's he's a clear card. So he comes card. he comes out with a card, and it's just clearly facing the camera. And it says fuck face right on it. They've done, like, investigative journalism on this. He fucking knew. So Fleer puts this card out, and either – I don't know if Fleer knew or if they were like, what the fuck, like, after the after the fact, because it was, like, baseball cards were kind of, like, um, exploding in popularity and error cards were things. So they quickly pulled this off the market, and it became crazy expensive. And so every kid wanted the fuck face Billy Ripken card. And you have January 6th face, which refers to a bet. Which refers to me saying that I have resting January 6th face. Yeah. As you mentioned earlier in the podcast, this is why I wanted to put a pin in it because I knew yeah, yeah, yeah. the album cover. I, I know. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. You really yes. you really think people look at you and think, look at this fucking guy. I bet he's a, a big a gun tote and a Republican who wants to uh, ban <laughs> gay rights or something. Like, I don't know. I, I don't... Well, I'd started off with me. When people talk about Trump and stuff, it started off with me being like, yeah, I'm starting to regret voting for him. And my <laughs> wife hated when I, and, it, and I was like, shit, it, it's believable. Like, that's why she hates it. It's not, she doesn't hate it because like, no way did he, I look like those guys. I got gray in my beard. I'm a straight white guy. Demographically, I voted for Trump. I didn't really, I voted for, against him every single time. But I, so I kind of, a uh, toy with i i opened by saying i'm worried that you think that i was stormed the capital and so because i have resting january 6th and they got a laugh which didn't which didn't hurt if well yeah of course otherwise why would if you it say didn't it? get a laugh i wouldn't say it yeah but demographically since you live in la you're not someone i always tell people with the demographics of things you have to look at where they're from statistically well, speaking a straight white man is 58% of 60% of time going to vote Republican, but a straight white man in a metropolitan city, that sure. number changes. 
at, at the same time, there were more Trump voters in California than any other state just by sheer number. That's just because of numbers. Yeah. I yeah, mean, California yeah. is massive. You know what I mean? That's why California's ec economics always cracks me up. I remember when I first moved to LA in 2014, it was the first year they were like, oh, we're back in a surplus. And I remember people being like, how the fuck did that happen? I'm like, there's 60 million people here. They raise everyone's taxes by a buck. They're back in a surplus. Yeah. Like, it's just there's so many people. And that's why everything starts in California first and then kind of works its way across the country. Well, California, New York, then it meets in the middle. I remember doing shows in the Midwest. Like, I came back to do shows in the Midwest while I was living in LA. So I remember doing some shows in, like, Appleton, Wisconsin, and, like, South Bend, Indiana, and, like, Iowa and St. Louis and being like, you guys are all listening to music that no one listens to anymore because they stopped listening to it three years ago. Like, it's really, holy fuck. It's so crazy how that works. It isn't. I mean, I don't know. You, Your mom is from roughly like an hour or so away from where my folks live. I remember going back and my mom being like, oh, man, we they put bacon on everything here. And it was like five years after the bacon thing had happened or like the yeah. IPA thing happened there. It is interesting. Yeah. I love, I love Iowa. They and that's not made. a knock. And real quick, when I say that listeners who live in Iowa, I was actually just in Cedar Rapids two weeks ago. Listeners who live in smaller towns, that's not a knock on you. When I say that it would make sense from a business standpoint. And I know a lot of people are pro business. You're going to test market it where there's the most people to get a good sample size, to sure, get a good sure, understanding sure. what's in. So yeah. that's why shit starts in like New York and LA. Or let me rephrase it. We don't give it to Iowa until we're damn sure it's popular. There you go. We're not going to, these are hardworking Midwesterners. We're not going to waste yeah. their time. We're not going to waste your time. With garbage. There you go. Yeah. So, all right. You got a great album cover. Thank you. Great album title. Thanks. It's coming out Friday on Special Things Records. Yeah. And anything else you want to talk about the experience of it? Um, it was a, I did my first one in Iowa cause I started in Iowa and then I, it was kind of my dream to do it by like where I moved next. So Chicago. So second one is Chicago and it's like, where in Chicago. And once, once the Lincoln, I know that CYSK is such a hot room, but it was, but that's after my time. It's, it, it was just too perfect to do it at the Lincoln Lodge. Like I, it's, it's like, it's honestly a dream come true to do it there that was the hot room while i was in the city that was like the apex you remember those days it was like the hot shit like oh, that for and, sure man yeah. Dude, i'm doing the room i'm doing the Lincoln lodge this friday it's the hot club now when you were coming up it was a hot room now it's a hot yeah. club yeah and and then um boy when i went back and did uh fucking green mill the paper machete holy fucking shit they let me just do a set oh i don't deserve that that was so nice that's that an amazing nice. room too the, the green mill in chicago is a legendary place that al capone used to drink at yeah. which by the way is it anyone more celebrated of a criminal than al capone anytime a chicagoan will be like dude al capone used to hang out here i'm like oh yeah, a fucking yeah, yeah. criminal oh that, I couldn't that, do that murder now. i couldn't be like hey you know this guy murdered a bunch of people probably molested <laughs> some girls he used to drink at the bar all the time you, you guys want to go there tonight yeah, oddly, the oddly uncanceled Al Capone. People hate J. Edgar Hoover worse, don't they? Yeah, there's a lot of people that's hated worse than Al Capone. People just forget. I think people just think, first of all, cool fucking name, Al Capone. It oh just God. sounds... Scarface is your nickname? Great Ooh. nickname. Ooh. What'd you do? Yeah. You ran... Well, he ran booze. And so people are like, big fucking deal, legalize it. 
So maybe yes, that, but nobody really hates that as a thing. But he murdered only other mafia guys. I'm sure a few innocents got in the way there. Come on, if you read deep enough. Um, also, I'm pretty sure some messing with some chicks, not in a nice way. I don't think he treated them all that well. Died of syphilis. Yeah. Happily married people who are faithful to one woman their whole life don't die of syphilis. A man right? of his time, perhaps. I don't know, but you oh, know, yeah, he... man, a lot of people got syphilis back then. It was like no big deal. It's like getting cold syphilis in the nineties. Like hot. It's like HPV of of the nineteen thirties. Uh, right. It really. I mean, I swear to God, people were like, Babe Ruth had syphilis for a little while. I think then he missed like a half a season for syphilis. The tummy ache heard around the world. Maybe that people are saying that, that he had uh, some syphy. Some sort of STD. I mean, yeah. it was the roaring 20s into a depression. Man, that's just a mix of bad stuff happening. I'm surprised we haven't. Actually, no, we did. We just keep that shit under wraps now. It's too depressing to talk about. There was a gonorrhea 2.0 going around not that long ago. Was there really? Just, yeah, everyone's just like, let's not even bring it up. <laughs> too yeah. many COVID. You got monkeypox. I can't have this. Like, too much of that. Gonorrhea 2.0? It's like. It was like a super strand of gonorrhea, they called it. Because like what wow. the stuff that would normally beat gonorrhea, like what, penicillin or something? You get a penicillin yeah, shot penis. and you're, you're, you're back out on, you're back hitting the town that weekend. That was a know? big week in America. They were like, check this out, dude. Rub this watermelon mold on your dick and then they, like it fixed it. Is that I what penicillin basically is? I think so. <laughs> Don't quote me on this. I'm not a scientist. I think it's moldy watermelon. That that is a miracle drug, though. I feel like it's the cure for so many things. Don't at me if I'm completely wrong. I am a moron. You're not. Everyone has that one scumbag friend, though. I have one scumbag friend. I'm not friends with him anymore, though. But I remember back in the day, you know, a bunch of guys hanging around, and one dude was like, "I think I got something," and we're like, "What is it?" He's <laughs> fucking idiot. He was like, "I think it's a genital war," and we're like, "Oh man, well, how do you think? You know, we're you know from what we all heard." Well, the one guy was like, I've had him before. So he was like telling him and he was like, it's let's see, like, come on, you just give me a quick peek. I'm not. And we're like, oh, man, I didn't look because I didn't want to look. But he was like, it's not a genital wart, you stupid fuck. It's clearly an ingrown pube. OK, he's like, you wouldn't have a genital wart at the base of your dick. You'd have him at the top of your dick. That goes in first, <laughs> which made me laugh, which I don't even know there's true. I'm sure you could get it around the I'm base. Sure of you could get too. it all over. You probably yeah. could get it all over. But he was like, that's an ingrown hair or whatever. Um, so anyway, though, the one dude was like, also, I've heard have it, I've heard ingrown hairs in your dick. Pretty horrifying, though. Yeah, because you do get some pubes at the very bottom there. You know what I mean? That are kind of you get a couple of hairs poking out on the shaft there at the very bottom. And um, I've never had an ingrown hair there, but I've had an ingrown hair like in the patch. And that's not fun. You know, um, I get them on my head because I'm insane. I, 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 yeah, I don't have this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But the same dude was like, why does he was like, why does everyone still freak out about STDs? Unless it's herpes or AIDS, you gotta be fine. They give you penicillin, you're back out on the even, field on Friday. Even, and we're like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Even HIV, I think, is fine now. It seems like it, right? I think that's why when know. people make Magic Johnson jokes still, I'm like, it's not, I don't really hear people rage about it anymore. Uh, that that rapper Da Baby got in trouble. I'm sure me saying it sounds awful. Da Baby. He got in trouble for saying like something about if you get AIDS, you die. And so that's why he got canceled. I want to say, I don't think that it is a death sentence anymore. And I, in fact, I I did a podcast like a week ago where they just came out with a vaccine for it. Like they said, it was like game change. Oh, that's awesome. 
Yeah, yeah you really they did a lot of good stuff with AIDS and everything like that. Yeah. And there's been some really good campaigns. I mean, it was too slow, though. Obviously, there was so much misinformation forever about AIDS. Right. It wasn't until like the Clinton era 90s where people were finally like, oh, I could shake a, a guy's hand who has AIDS and I'm not gonna get AIDS. That was a thing forever. You thought I mean that Eddie Murphy special, he's like, he thinks that people could get AIDS on their lips. I know that that's a bit, but like that's yeah. probably they thought it was airborne people would talk about like they didn't know what it was or how you got it well, they thought it was never saliva even... for a while too yeah yeah and then it turned out i remember reading about this in health class when i was like in seventh grade our teacher told us in order to get aids via saliva you have to drink like 200 gallons of saliva and that made almost everyone throw up because we just pictured <laughs> 200 milk gallons but not filled with milk filled with saliva and we were all did, like, did you guys hear that yellow number five that was in Mountain Dew would make your dick smaller. No, we heard Mountain Dew killed sperm counts. Okay, there was some. That was the we, big urban okay. legend. Okay. Yeah, there's always some urban legend where you're just like, "What? Why would Mountain Dew hurt your sperm count?" And you know, but that was enough for people to be like, "I'm not going to fuck with Mountain Dew." Yeah. You people know, like, I don't want my dick to shrink. Yeah, I mean, there's always one thing that will go around where people just buy into it, and it really yeah. does fuck up the business for that thing. Like, I this is a true thing. Corona sales were down massively the last two years because of the that's coronavirus. So, that's so stupid. So fucking stupid. Like, do you, you really think, think one had to do with the other? It means the sun or the crown. What does it mean? The crown. I don't know. The crown sounds right, but it's did you? I, I don't know why I ordered Corona more because I knew they were hurting when I read that. Or what about rollerblades in the 90s? Someone made one gay joke. And oh, that, right. Did that. Bill Burr's talked about this, so I'm not like making that joke reference. That's God, thing. <clears throat> as homophobic as that joke was, that was such a vicious joke. It really was, yeah. It's, you know. I mean, whoever wrote, that's like your fucking bit, like the itty bitty titty committee, like whoever came yeah. up with that had to, whoever came up with telling your parents you're gay, like that rollerblades joke, like fucking... As far as roasts go, that was some, that was some that was itty bitty titty committee level. Yeah, I mean, look, everyone. Nothing and, wrong with having itty bitty titties or being in committees, or being gay or rollerblading. I'm just saying, joke structure. No fat. There's no fat on that meat. You know, it's flaming yawn times. It's like whatever the best cut of steak you like is. Porterhouse, whatever. It's well done. That's to catch it, baby. Though, but, <laughs> There's some hateful shit out there, yeah, but can be kind of funny too, you know. Oh my, oh my god, yeah. There's... We but we all have black friends who have told us jokes that they're like that shit's racist as fuck, but pretty hilarious, you know. I mean, there's a good a good joke transcends hate, and also I like that. That should be like a live laugh love sign. A good joke transcends hate, you know. <laughs> I would say on the podcast last week, I want to just keep it fun. I was real down in the dumps. I'm like, I got to keep it fun. Let's keep it fun, you know. It doesn't always have to yeah, be. Yeah. Yeah. negative you know everything being horrible right we already know that so there's gonna be times where we keep it fun i wish we had more equality in this country where a good roast joke just is like they got me good they got me and my identity good with this joke and that's coming from a place of privilege where you know clearly we are the best and so i can't really say anything <laughs> so it's ryan dalton who's been on the podcast before a funny comedian he had some joke where when someone said like um like race war or something like that and he was just like look scoreboard like something like that where he talked about how like you have yeah, to I, fuck around with it, it yeah. just, the idea I mean, of being like a white guy being like look at the scoreboard we're doing pretty good <laughs> you know 
that joke in itself acknowledges that there's a problem with the racial hierarchy. So it's like so that's such a good joke as well. You know or what I mean? Like they had that bit where he talked about how you know, you know, but like how I don't know what the premise was. The, the start of it's really good, but then he said like, knowing all I know now. I would still sign up to be white again. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> sign me up. Well, you know, and then he says something like um, up until like 1980, if you were a black person, you did not want to go back in time. But as a white person, I could literally go back in time at any point in human history. And they'd be like, oh, come, your table's ready, sir. Like this whole like fucking thing where even like, well, it's not even really true, though. If you went back. It's not even really true. No, no, no. It's like, you think about it. White people. No, like really the Middle that. Ages, like Europe in the Middle Ages is some garbage. Sure. And even if there's a white person, if you showed up in fucking Bethlehem in, in you know, one AD, they'd be like, what the fuck are you? Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no good. No good. Yeah. So even that joke's flawed, but it is. But it has to it's, it's, that's it's not a thesis. You're still acknowledging statement. that yeah, you're yeah. coming from. I just didn't like, you know, I used to do a white uh, privilege joke and I would start it off and I could see some white people in the crowd looking at me like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Because I would say, like, I go, look, white privilege is real. You know, you can't deny that it's not real. But every time I get sunburned, I'm like, ah, this shit evens out, you know, <laughs> um, which is clearly a you know, joke, right? I'm saying that the sun's mean to me. So therefore, I deserve all this, like, uh, opportunity. You're uh, you using know. something frivolous to be like, I have it hard. And so it's pointing out that you don't. Yes. Like, this is like, so, yeah, it's, I think that people don't want to hear that they have privilege also because you ever said to somebody like you ever say to somebody oh you were that's luck you know what i mean like to somebody yeah. and that pisses people off when they think that they got to whatever they have because of skill and like skill talent alone. yeah and i think everyone so, needs so to luck Go ahead. Everyone needs to acknowledge they've had some luck and and so many different things. No, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing, there's wrong, nothing with wrong with like, that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Like I got lucky as fuck because like I moved to Chicago, Joe, right when like all of these like insane fucking like, talented people just so happened to be at this open mic that I do you know how fucking crazy lucky that is that sure. I walked into a room with like Kumail and Pete Holmes. And like Nate Bergazzi and fucking Hannibal and TJ Miller and like all of these fucking people and my career is, is better because I I know all of these people. Of course, that's insanely. I was from Iowa. I could have gone anywhere else and not known any of these people necessarily. Like you know, so like even for me to be like, um, and I got that rub from those people. Like I did like JFL probably through association like with those people it didn't hurt me to be from that scene in any way, yeah. shape or form. I mean, maybe it hurt. Maybe somebody's like, well, we already have this many people from Chicago, so we can't keep giving people from that. Maybe if that, if I felt like that happened to be like, damn, but I, I don't think that that's happening. So like you have to, it's fine to feel lucky about that. You know what I mean? Like it's, you have to put yourself in a position to get lucky. And when you tell someone, Hey, that was lucky or you got some luck there. That doesn't negate the hard work they put in going into it. I just right. wish the people who did get some luck would say like, oh, hell yeah. I, I'm very grateful that I was in the right place at the right time. And yeah, there was some luck involved for sure. And I encourage everyone, work your ass off. And then you too have the chance to get lucky. That's what is it, Gerald what, Ford in that speech to New York about how he's going to let them default on their loans? was like, you'd be amazed at the, how 
the harder you work, the luckier you'll get. And I was like, fuck, that's a good line. Did, did he say that originally? I thought that was ripped off from someone else. I mean, of course uh, he was quoting somebody else. He's a I thought Thomas of... Jefferson said the whole was thing. It? Was like, um, oh, he's the quoting harder I work, the luckier I get. Well, he raped slaves, so canceled. Man, I know. So many, so much good wisdom out of that guy that really just he had to really ruined his legacy you know that whole time he's saying all that nice stuff he was just we don't even want to think about what he was doing you think any of the pieces of shit back in the day were ever thought to themselves man i wonder if people are going to hate me for this later i (laughs) i think jefferson knew because people would insinuate jefferson was fucking his slaves back then i want to say like I think they were like, "Hey, man, uh, that that fight that they got into, like that Charles Sumner got hit with the cane. I think that they like insinuated that that guy was like raping his slaves. I think that's what the fight was about." Oh, really? I think I don't know that part. I don't know that deep in history. The stuff I know about Jefferson is just like the stuff, the fluff stuff that everyone always, you know, heralds him for. I do like the fact that he said we should have a constitutional convention every twenty years because what's good for the country today won't be good twenty years from now. Might not be. That was pretty. That was pretty good foresight, I'd yeah, say. He said that on top of a slave, so it's like not the best. Like it's like, why are you thinking so, of this? Why did stuff? they conduct interviews that way back then? It was a very strange. They got I mean, off on that. Somebody had a quill and was like taking it down. It was like he's a very problematic figure, just like constantly sexually assaulting. He's a very slaves. busy man. Yeah, and they'd be like, Thomas, what are your thoughts on this? He's like, well, I have to do something real quick. Follow me. And then he'd give the interview at the same time. That dude loved one other thing besides sexually assaulting slaves. It was France. That dude loved France. He did not want to live in the United States. We were a pig pen. He wanted to be in Paris. He wanted to be that Kanye Jay-Z song. He wanted to be getting fucked up in Paris. If you escaped, but he escaped, you'd be in Paris getting fucked up too. He's That's what he liked. He liked Paris. I gotta get. In, I gotta go to Paris one day. Find out what all the fluff's about. I said I've fluff a couple times on this episode. What's with me saying fluff? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you're thinking about your wiener. You're thinking about showing people your warts on your wiener. Anyway, Paris. You would like it. It's a. It's a. It's a wonderful place. Have you? You've been to Paris once? Yeah, I went. To, I did all the things. Uh, the Louvre. honeymoon. I went on my honeymoon. Yeah. Nice. I. I thought. I've been to Europe a couple times. I think that. Um, the real panty dropper in Europe that I've been to, probably Venice, Italy. I think, bang for your buck, I don't think you get a more beautiful city than that. You know, the, my one problem with Italy would be the fact that it's the just Italian like, people. Yeah, so many. Like the whole thing. Yeah. You know, that's what I was going to say. And you kind of fucked it up. Oh my God. Take two. I swear to God. No, no, take two. Because Jonah Jerkins was in Italy for like a month back in August. And he came back and I said, ah, the problem though is all the Italians, you know. You know what? I didn't I'm think of Italy. Man. So I apologize to my Italian listeners. I've got a very big base in Italy. So if I wouldn't be surprised if you're always number one on the charts in Italy come Friday. I want everyone to buy the album because I want it to be number Clearly, one. Clearly, I'm joking. As an attorney, I would say to you, no reasonable person would think I was being serious. I just said Italy was a real panty dropper. I said it was better than Paris is what I said. Is it Italian fucked up that we have to apologize for jokes? Because we don't want people taking it out of context. I mean, Ever since we don't Shane want to make Gillis an Italian man. Shane Gillis got fired from SNL before he even really got on SNL because of a podcast line. And yeah. now everyone has to say, I'm just kidding all the fucking time. Yeah. Um, 
when I think everyone just now, I think I'm that's my goal for 2023. This is my commitment to the listeners. I will not apologize or say just kidding when you fucking know I'm just kidding. That's they what I don't know you're just kidding though. Yes, they do. I don't think they think I honestly think the problem with Italy is that it's filled with Italians. I don't think they honestly think that you think they're going to be listening, thinking, Oh man, I used to love Joe Kilgallen's podcast, but he hates Italians and I am one quarter Italian and I will not support this Italian hating piece of shit. Huh? Fuck you potato eater. Because I love the Italians. Like you think they're thinking that maybe they are. Don't, don't Irish people kind of dislike Italians a little bit, a little competition for like, if they came in, they were like, the hot immigrant kind of there was know? kind of like a hot immigrant battle there is an irish italian thing in my high school there was that we would as an irish guy I'd make fun of italians they make fun of me back but we all hung out afterwards yeah okay. irish yeah. and italians were both catholics yeah so when they came to america they settled in cities that you know had a lot of catholic churches or catholic population already there and they both came in waves around the same time i think maybe italians a little bit ran before booze during prohibition yeah some would argue the reason for prohibition was the catholics who came in it was. They said, uh, what's getting fucked up on Sundays? Shit like that. I don't know. Can you believe there was a time in this country when we didn't have alcohol? It's insane. Fucking conservatives. Yeah, that's right, conservatives. If you're conservative listening right now, you guys did that. That was you. Conservatives wanted no more booze. Stop taking shit away, all right? If you want to lower taxes, I could see the argument there, but stop taking shit away from people, okay? About, stop it. What about heroin? Yeah, I guess that one shouldn't be on the streets. <laughs> but like weed and alcohol, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think yeah. heroin should be legalized. Mushrooms, where do you draw the line? Cocaine? I think cocaine I would draw the line on. I don't want to see you on cocaine. You would know. I would I don't I don't understand why people would ever want to do cocaine. Apparently it's amazing. To me. Why would you want to have so much energy where like ah and you're all fucking spazzy and weird? Why I'm would you tired. want that? I don't know. It's what people drink coffee. Yeah, and those people are fucking irritating too. I'm drinking coffee right now, so that'll explain. <laughs> I'm a drinking lot a juice of... box, my man. <laughs> there you um, go. <laughs> no, I mean, look, caffeine, fine. If you drink it in the morning to get you through work, you're not fucking pounding a gas. They used not... to put it in Coca Cola. I know they did. Cocaine wasn't Coca Cola. That's a fact. But you weren't doing, you weren't drinking a hot pot of coffee at a pub on a fucking Friday night, were you? Hot like, that's what I don't get. Coffee was I... a luxury, right? Like, the coffee was like cafes. When, when they came out with coffee, cafes were like just as great as bars, you know, like cafe society. And that's where, you know, people met up and, you know, did did art <laughs> and wrote like novels, you know. That is true. Uh, the coffee shop, I feel like, is Dude, pretty The first guy who had coffee was like, fuck you. I'm the best. Like after he had it, he was like cocaine. He's like, it was like cocaine. Yeah, it's weird that people go take every time I drive by Starbucks, I'll look inside the window and I'll see people there with their laptops doing work. But and then I thought to myself, well, Starbucks is a chain and there's a couple coffee chains, but there are really no bar chains. Oh, there's bar groups. There's like, oh, this group owns three or four bars, but I've never heard of a bar chain, you know? Well, people get people get fucked up at like Buffalo Wild Wings, maybe that's the bar. That's a restaurant. Wouldn't you call that a restaurant? Wouldn't you oh, call for sure. Applebee's restaurants? They serve alcohol, sure, but is that the, the bars? If you said to someone, "Hey, I'm going to the bar tonight," and they said, "Cool, which one?" and you said Buffalo Wild Wings, they'd be like, "The fuck? That's your bar?" Okay, so we need to start a chain bar called Kilgallen's Pub, and it's like the McDonald's and the Starbucks of alcohol. Sure, I mean, what do it. they I'm have there? Do a lot of work. What do they have there? Every guy there. 
shows the Kilgallen's just, just the tip um, of their penis comes out of their shorts. Yeah, I'm down with that. But the Kilgallen's pub, instead of selling beer by the pitcher, would sell beer by the gallon. And the whole idea would be try the Kilgallen Kill. gallon. Wow, I like it. It's a good hook. Yeah, because your name is has that. There you go. All right, Brido, tell them again where they could buy the album. The album is called Hustle. If you feel so inclined, you can also get my other one. It's called The Hungry Wolf Hunts Best. Um, on all of the, wherever you stream stuff, wherever you listen to stuff, uh, yeah, that comes out Friday the 16th. So wherever you're listening to this, uh, check iTunes or Apple Music for that. And I appreciate it. Uh, all of your hard-earned money, we go to support somebody who doesn't have a lot. So <laughs> there you go. Help him out. He's got a beautiful wife and a beautiful dog. That is Mike Bryanson. Also check out his podcast, Hunk with Mike Bryanson, wherever you listen to podcasts. I've been on several episodes. It's always a great time. Best panel podcast in the world. Thank you, Brido. And I, I can't wait to hear the album, man. I'm excited for it. And thank you to all the listeners. Don't forget to check out the Patreon if you can. For as little as three bucks a month, you could get some access to some bonus stuff. Also, the YouTube channel. Support that, too. Really appreciate it. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Joe Kale Gallon podcast. Cheers.